0: Welcome everyone to a Baseball America podcast along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. We are uh, done with super, done with regionals, headed to super regionals on the Baseball America College podcast. And Aaron, you're still live in California, although you will be back here in North Cackalack for super regionals, but uh, obviously an exciting regional round. And uh, you, you could stay in California for one regional, uh, one super regional I should say this week if you wanted to, but I think that... We might have one of the most compelling super regionals right here in our backyard at North Carolina. We've got so we'll just set up the the, the eight super regional. We got Louisville, Cal State at Fullerton, you know, at Fullerton, Arkansas at Florida State, Virginia at Ole Miss, Rice at LSU. Those are all Friday through Sunday. Then TCU at Texas, Southern Miss at Florida, Clemson at Arizona State, East Carolina at North Carolina. Those are all Saturday through Monday. So Aaron, let's kick it right off with. Louisville at Fullerton, you were at Fullerton this weekend, you made it sound on the website and on the college blog that like the Titans were playing at the top of their game, how big of a challenge is this going to be for Louisville to go out there, and uh, I'd say what chance, what percentage chance would you give them to knock off the Titans at home?
1: Not a very good chance, John, and, and I have a lot of respect for Louisville's program and their team. And uh, you know, I think Louisville won a very difficult regional. I mean, that uh, there were four really good teams in that regional, in my opinion. Um, and you know, Indiana didn't really show up, but uh, Indiana had been hot, you know. And certainly, I a maya coupon on that pick. Uh, that one didn't work out so well. But uh, but you know, Louisville they were certainly the best team in that regional. Um, you know, the thing is, Fullerton is just is just firing on all cylinders, and and you know, this is as good as a team you know. As they've had as they've had there since they won their national championship in two thousand and four and they've had some great teams over the last few years. but uh, I couldn't be more impressed with um, with their offense, certainly the, the relentlessness of that offense, uh, the aggressiveness of it the, they just take extra bases at will. they have so much team speed, um, but they they play such great defense and and their pitching, you know their pitching looks really good. I mean, I saw Tyler Pill. Uh, on Sunday, he was phenomenal, uh, as advertised, and uh, Noe Ramirez was outstanding again, and Daniel Rankin uh, battled through eight solid innings, and he looked pretty good. So, I mean, the bullpen has been figured out there. They've got their guys in the back, um, you know, and, and, and I just think that this team has no weaknesses. They're at home. Uh, I'd be very surprised if Louisville pulls this off. That's not to say it can't be done, because Louisville has a lot of power, and, and if the if the ball is flying out out to right field the way it was there on Friday and Saturday – um, then you know, that could play to Louisville's advantage. That can be a hitter's park at times so, uh, in the right conditions. So um, Fullerton's got some power also. Chris Davis is, is, a, is a beast, John. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Th- this should be, I think it'll be an interesting regional, but I, I do think Fullerton wins both.
0: I do think it's awesome that uh, a key, key part of Fullerton's team this year, that Chris Davis has been an offensive force. And we knew how good their sophomore class was, Aaron. Uh, I think we thought that maybe their senior class would provide some of the power. And in Jerry Clark, he does a little bit. But Chris Davis really turning it on as a junior, I think, is a difference maker for this team. So they've they've got talent in the freshman and sophomore classes. But they, I think they needed an upperclassman to step forward. And Chris Davis has done that for Fullerton. Uh, for me, I do think it's an interesting contrast of styles. I don't think this is not some Judy team that, that uh, Fullerton has out there. They can hit. Uh, they are offensive, so I, I really like their chances to win this regional. I, I do think Louisville deserves kudos for having won a very difficult regional and having to grind that out. And just another, uh, you know, there are a lot of interesting pitching choices made over the weekend, and a team with Vanderbilt's depth on the mound, I was very surprised to see them bring Mikey Miner back on two days rest. I agree. And, uh, that, that that only worked for one team, Ole Miss, where Drew Pomeranz pitched heroically. Uh, on two days rest. Uh, we'll get to that in just a second. Oh, uh, the other, the other, the next super regional. I think we're both picking Fullerton there. Arkansas at Florida State, Aaron. And boy, Arkansas, which had had a great season and then had a six-week stretch where they just really couldn't beat anybody. I think they won one series in those last six weeks. Arkansas suddenly discovers its offense. A team that went into regional hitting 267, they discover their offense and really kind of pull out a, a can of something on uh, on on Oklahoma at Norman. Very impressive regional win for them. Now they have to travel to Florida State, and Florida State, which I think we both thought deserved a top eight national seed, winds up getting to host a super regional anyway. And Aaron Florida State looked awfully impressive in uh, in that regional, knocking off Georgia, Marist, and Ohio State. Obviously, putting up some stupid numbers against Ohio State with that thirty-seven to six win. For me, I'm looking at this, and boy, Arkansas better bring the better bring the bats again. I still don't think it'll be enough. Florida State at home is a huge difference maker. That's a tremendous team at home that really takes advantage of its home ballpark. I like Florida State in the Super Regional because I just think it's going to be a real challenge for Arkansas's offense to perform up to that level again.
1: Yeah, you know, this is one that I really went back and forth on, honestly, John. And, uh, you know, for Arkansas, there's a couple of things to mention here. Uh, first of all, their, their, their big guns have finally showed up. They, they did a lot of the heavy lifting this weekend. You know, Shepikoff and Andy Wilkins and, uh, Zach Cox, the guys who we thought would be the big bangers in the middle of that lineup, played well. Uh, but also, this is not the same team, you know, as, as it was earlier this season, uh, because they've really infused some life into this team with, with, by inserting some freshmen into the lineup. You got Bo Bigham at second base now as a true freshman. You got Jared McKinney in right field, oftentimes as a true freshman. You got James McCann behind the plate as a true freshman. Colin Kuhn in center field as a as a as a redshirt freshman. I mean, the the, the last two classes for Arkansas were both highly regarded classes. I think I think we had both of them ranked roughly the top twelve or so. That sounds and, about and, right. And, and both classes were were deep um, and provided just a a, a, a large. Uh, Quantity of, of quality options, and, and I think that's what's saved Arkansas's bacon here. Is they were able to mix parts around, and they have a deep roster. Uh, their freshman and sophomore classes, you know, are, are, are terrific. I mean, uh, you know, Andy Wilkins and Brett Eibner; uh, those guys have been very good as, as sophomores, uh, at least, you know, at least down the stretch here. This, this past weekend, um, I think this is interesting. I mean, um, I do think Florida State's going to win it. I, I can't, I can't go so far as to pick Arkansas on the road here. I, I do think Florida State has. Still, the better offense, um, but uh, but I think it's pretty compelling. I wouldn't be surprised to see it go three games.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't either. And I, I I'm actually with you in that. I think that Arkansas is going to play well. Uh, I do think Arkansas it seems like they've gotten a little more speed into their lineup, which uh, I think has always kind of been an important key for Dave Van Horn's teams, and uh, that does help create some offense. And I still have questions about Florida State's pitching. But I just yeah. think I just think if that were a neutral site super regional. Uh, I would really like Arkansas's chances, but I think either one of those teams at home. I'm going to take the home team, and uh, that means I'm taking Florida State.
1: And, and I do think Florida State. You know, they've got some reliable starters at least with with Sean Gilmartin, and Brian Bush, the lefties, and then a, a really gritty righty and, and Mike McGee. I mean, those are, three, McGee, those are three solid guys.
0: Mike McGee, pretty underrated player. Uh, yeah, absolutely. That guy's that guy's gritty and gutty, and he's good. So those are those are three good things to be. Uh, speaking of uh, good the Virginia Cavaliers on as much of a role as any college baseball team that we've seen in a couple years not named uh, Oregon State. Uh, Virginia is 46-12-1 right now, and yet, (laughs) with that gaudy record, uh, being ACC tournament champions, they have to go to Irvine, as we've all recounted. We all saw them beat Steven Strasburg in the opener, and they beat Irvine twice at Irvine's field. And now Virginia's reward is they get to go on the road again at Ole Miss Aaron, I think this is one there, – there are three Super Regionals that really stick out to me, and this is one of them. Uh, this is, I think, going to be a tremendous Super Regional. I already mentioned with Ole Miss, Drew Pomeranz. his line last night was just tremendous. Yeah. And uh, he was the only guy who pitched on two days rest who was superb. Very often when pitchers come back on short rest, it's not the start where they come back on short rest. It's the one after that where they struggle. So – well, I'm I'm going into this one thinking that Virginia is like a it's just like a snowball that started small and it's just gotten a lot of momentum and gotten a lot of size and it's I think it's gonna be very hard to stop Virginia before they get to Omaha. I'm picking the Cavaliers in this one, but this is a, I think a fascinating uh, region, a super regional because all Miss has got left-handed pitching and Virginia's lineup leans almost as heavily to the left as North Carolina's.
1: Yeah, you know, I also am taking Virginia. I mean, I. I couldn't be more impressed with Virginia, and I've seen I've seen them ten times this year, John. And even in the two games they lost out of those ten, I were I was impressed with them. Back in uh, in the early part of the season, when they lost a couple of tight ones in North Carolina, and they just have finally gotten it all going now. I mean, it's uh, it's just a really exciting team. They're solid in, in every single phase. They're an outstanding defensive team. Just made highlight play after highlight play, and all the routine plays as well. In Irvine, they have a lot of team speed. They have more power than they've, they've ever had there in the last six years. I mean, Jared Parker is an absolute stud there in center field at the top of the lineup. Uh, it's a deep lineup. It's a, a great approach on the mound. They've got a, a very solid bullpen with with Kevin Enrico and, and Tyler Wilson setting them up back there. And they've got three quality starters in, in Robert Morey and Andrew Carraway and um, and Danny Holson, of course, the lefty. So I, I wonder what Pomeranz is going to have left in the tank next week. And like you said, it's, it can be that, that start afterwards that really catches up to you. Uh, He's key for Ole Miss because he's their best pitcher. He's really been the only guy that they've been able to count on consistently. The other guys have had their moments, uh, you know, Philip Irwin and and Brett Buckvich and Nathan Baker. Those guys have had their moments, but they've been a little more up and down and they're not the kind of guys who are going to shut down an offense like Virginia's. So, um, you know, the atmosphere is a little bit of an X factor because certainly Ole Miss plays very well at home, but, Virginia, I think, has shown that it can go on the road and win. Um, I like the Cavaliers here.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I, I, I just you know Drew Pomeranz can't pitch every game. I mean, 16 strikeouts on two days rest like he did last night. Uh, that's that's remarkable. It's really remarkable. And he is a lefty, and he's a he's a really good lefty. But I, I I don't know you know I don't I don't I think that's what you have to have to beat Virginia. You have to throw some left-handers at him and some left-handers with some stuffs. Uh, because they've shown they can beat the best right-handers in the country. They beat Strasburg. Not like they pummeled him, but they did pummel Alex White. Uh, you know, I don't know that Ole Miss uh, has those kind of right-handed arms. But they do have those. I mean, they're good. But, I mean, Nathan Baker's left-handed, correct? Yeah. So you're going to have to have Nathan Baker come through. I although mean, He's not even necessarily in the weekend rotation. Brett Buckovich is left-handed. Uh, you know, so you have a couple options other than Pomeranz. I'm starting to talk myself into uh, picking Ole Miss, but the other, the other factor here is I just think Virginia's a better offensive team.
1: Me too. Um, and, and, and John, for me, uh, I'll also add that uh, I'm worried about Ole Miss's bullpen after absolutely. the way Jake Morgan melted down against Western Kentucky. Give Virginia a very clear edge uh, in the bullpen here. I mean, I, I will I will add this, though, as a caveat, because you mentioned it. The left-handed pitching is key. Uh, Noel Aveson for for Irvine kept Virginia in check on Sunday for about five innings. And they, they still were able to get enough to, to to win that game, of course. But you, you can you can at least keep them in check if you got a good lefty.
0: I mean, Daniel uh, Babona did it, and it uh, was really kind of let down by his defense, right?
1: Well, they didn't face Babona. Babona went against Fresno.
0: I'm sorry. Who was the pitcher that Irvine used against them?
1: They they used Noel Avison on Sunday, and they used uh, Christian Bergman, on the right-hander, right. on Saturday.
0: Uh-huh. Okay, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering my regional wrong. But, yeah, like you said – I mean, there's Virginia's very good offensively. it's a deeper lineup. Uh, I just I, I think that's 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 just a that's a great super regional. that's all there is to it. That's a great super regional. I'm not picking against Virginia right now, not at this point, not with the head of steam they have going. Uh, I just we mentioned it over the weekend. Try to think of a, another team this year, Aaron that has won uh, well I guess six of their last seven games have been against two wins against UC Irvine uh, street, beating Steven Strasburg. Be North Carolina, Clemson, and Florida State in the ACC tournament. I don't think any other team in the country has a stretch of six wins in a row like that. Can you think of anybody?
1: No, I think that's, I think that's the best stretch of two weeks uh, we've seen from anybody all year long.
0: Yeah, I think Virginia's playing as well as anybody in the country has played all year. They're number five in our weekly rankings, which are updated at baseballamerica.com. Not that they really matter this time of year, but they are there. So, uh, And then the other super region on this side of the bracket that is just so compelling. Is Rice at LSU, and uh, I actually got an email. We and we're going to take a couple emails actually here, in, a, in between brackets at podcastofbaseballamerica dot com, uh, where someone pointed out that on Warren Nolan's rankings, uh, that LSU is the seven and Rice is a ten in the Warren Nolan dot RPIs. I, you know, we have LSU number one in our rankings this week. That's I don't right. Remember. I think LSU has lost two series all year. They've been great start to finish. They won the SEC regular season and tournament. I don't understand why they rank low in the on all these uh, RPI kind of rankings, but I, I think we both thought Rice should have been a top eight national seed, and LSU as a three was almost underranked as a number three seed. This is going to be a tremendous super regional, I, potentially, but something tells me that Rice has spent everything it has to win that home regional. I think LSU is actually going to roll in this. I think LSU is better set up on the mound I don't know how many more heroics Ryan Barry has left in his shoulder but I'm going to guess it's not one more weekend and I'm I'm picking LSU actually to kind of roll against Rice I think good pitching beats good hitting and uh, LSU's got more good pitching
1: you know I I was debating this with a scout today John who's seen both of these teams and and he agrees with you that LSU he thinks LSU is going to roll I think it's going to be competitive I think it's going to be a three-game super regional uh, you know I do think that that Mike Ojala at 84 to 88 miles an hour, which is apparently what he's been the last couple of weeks. I mean, hey, give him credit. He's really, really gritted out a couple of, of good performances here. But that's not going to get it done against Selma. It's just not. Those guys are too good offensively. Um, you know, Ryan Berry has been pretty good. He's not quite back to where he was earlier this year. The reports I've gotten are he's he's about 88 to 90, you know, so he's, he's not 89, 92 like he was, you know, before he got hurt. But he's been obviously terrific. Um, I just think Rice finds a way to to, to pull out a win here that this team is so tough. I mean, they're, they're just so mentally tough and well coached and um, and resilient as they proved this weekend uh, by coming back and beating Kansas State twice. Uh, but LSU is, is just has more firepower. Uh, they've got the the healthier one two punch. Uh, I like their situation better in the bullpen, and and they're at home. I mean, I, I think LSU takes it in three games.
0: Yeah, like I said, I, I you, you make a nice case for Rice. And they do have some other depth out there with Taylor Wall and you know, Jordan Rodgers Threw well. He's been pretty consistent for them out of the bullpen this year. I just don't like their chances. I just I think LSU is – uh, I think LSU is the most complete team out there right now. They just the – the only caveat with LSU really is pitching depth. I, I don't see any other really – real weakness with that LSU team. Do you? And, you know, they've really answered
1: the pitching depth thing. They I did mean, in the SEC you know, not, not 100%, but you're right. In the a- SEC tournament, you know, when they get big performances from guys like, you know, uh, Nolan Kane and, the, and you know, those kind of middle of – the you know, uh, Bradshaw. You know, those kind of guys that they really needed to step forward. I mean – I don't think this team really has a discernible week.
0: I don't think so either. Well, we've got lots of podcast questions at uh, podcast at com, So uh, I think we actually agreed on all of our choices, though, Aaron, uh, which was that's not, not, very,
1: that's not very compelling uh, podcasting, John.
0: Oh, that's your opinion. Titans, Seminoles, <laughs> Rebels uh, losing to the Cavaliers, and uh, Tigers, LSU Tigers. So we have three out of the four ho- home teams uh, we're predicting to win on that side of the bracket. Let's take a couple of these podcast questions, podcast at BaseballAmerica.com, and we want to remind everyone that you can follow Baseball America on Twitter, twitter.com backslash Baseball America. Pretty simple. Um, Wendell in New Orleans uh, actually wants to follow up a little bit on that LSU. Um, he's the one who told me that uh, you know Rice is 10 and LSU is 7. Uh, he seems that he thought that Virginia, with their number four RPI, having to travel to Ole Miss is the biggest outrage. Talk about insane. He's definitely been listening to the podcast. He's talking like Aaron Fitt. <laughs> um, how good are Rice's top two pitchers compared with Renato and Coleman for LSU? Uh, my feeling is the series goes three, and Rice wins with better back line starting pitching. Ross has struggled overhaul overall last half of the year. And how big of a factor is schedule, even though Rice uh, in Conference USA, they've done better than people expected this year. So Obviously, Conference USA with three teams uh, advancing to Super Regionals. Uh, Aaron, what do you think? I guess of that point, the real question I mean, that we already haven't answered, I guess, is is Virginia at Ole Miss the biggest outrage in the field? Or are we over our outrage?
1: Uh, at this point, I think I'm mostly over my outrage. I think uh, I expected Ole Miss to host that super regional as the higher seed. Uh, you know, I think just you know it would have been surprising if they had reversed course at, at this juncture and 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 sent uh, the Rebels to, to to Charlottesville. But as for the other point uh, that Wendell made about the starting pitching. You know, Renato and Coleman is is uh, I think for me uh, at this point the a much better bus. duo. Yep. And it, and if it was if this was happening in you know early March it's a different story. But Anthony Renato has been has just has dominant stuff. He's completely healthy. I mean he's really looked good with that that heavy uh, heavy sinking fastball and the curve ball and and Lewis Coleman of course the SEC pitcher of the year. Uh, there's no question who the better one two punch is here for me, John.
0: Yeah, I think the only only one that I can compare with it is uh, what you have over at Arizona State with yeah. uh, Leak, and if he's healthy, Josh Spence, and that's a tough call. I think I would take Leak and Spence just because I t- I'll take Leak out of any all those pitchers as good as Renato has been and as good as Lewis Coleman has been. I would take Leak over any of those guys. But I, I would take
1: Rice's duo because, like you mentioned, Spence you know, is – He's not 100. He's not 100. percent. I mean, he's he's been he's back, but he's not 100. percent So I'll take the two healthy guys.
0: Uh, that's going on a limb there. <laughs> take the healthy guys. Uh, we also had uh, uh, just a good comment email here from Michael Duncan. Good call on the Rice Kansas State showdown. That Kansas State would win Saturday, but lose overall. I think we both called that in last week's podcast. And uh, despite the outcome, I still think Sam Houston State and Xavier should have been reversed in seeding. Overall, I'm glad us Rice fans could show Xavier and K-State and their fans a good weekend of college baseball. So, a gracious email from Michael Duncan. Um, Wasn't sure if you had any uh, any comments on that. Uh, No, no, not really. All right, well, Matt Purvis also emails, and this is a good one, about Southern Mississippi as we transition to the other side of the bracket. In your regional podcast, both of you said Southern Miss was glad to be there. He also predicted Elon or Georgia Tech would outslug Southern Miss to win the regional. Southern Miss had the highest batting average in the regional, hit the most home runs in the regional, had the best pitching in the regional. Do you think Southern Miss was just glad to be there? Don't ever count out a team that's on a mission. It's a great farewell for Corky Palmer, and I think that's a great transition for us, Aaron, to go into uh, the other side of the bracket. Southern Miss at Florida. Um, talk a little bit about how how did Southern Miss, which I don't think deserved to be in the tournament, how did they go to Atlanta? and win that regional. Do you really kind of lay that one a little bit at Danny Hall? It really seemed like Coach Hall, who I think is a great guy and really respects, did not uh, do his best with that roster this weekend.
1: No, I don't think he did. I, I think that's a big factor. Now, I'm not going to take any, anything away from Southern Miss, and we'll get right. to those guys in a second. But, I mean, Danny Hall made some real head-scratchers here. I thought it was a mistake to start Deck McGuire in the first game. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, it was an even bigger mistake to bring Deck McGuire back on two days rest uh, on Monday. Um, and you know, I mean, the starting a freshman second baseman for defensive purposes, and then having that guy make three errors and, and a costly loss. I mean, it, there was there were a number of things here that just didn't make sense. And I, you know, it's 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 a shame for Georgia Tech that it had to it had to end that way. But I mean, give Southern Miss a lot of credit. I mean, th- these guys are. You know, I didn't think uh, the 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 emailer is right, John. Uh, we were wrong about this one. I didn't think Southern Miss could swing the bats like this. They haven't really done it this year. I mean, they've had a couple of outbursts, uh, but, uh, you know, for the most part, since they lost Brian Dozier, this offense hadn't been the same. I mean, they, they, did, they did score, uh, you know, 15 runs, I think, against Tulane in the conference tournament one game. So, I mean, there they were flashes of it. Mostly they were winning games, you know, scoring three, five, you know, seven runs. Uh, I didn't think I didn't think they'd score 17 runs against Elon and 10 against Georgia Tech and and 12 in another game against Georgia. I just didn't see it coming. So uh, you know, give gives other miscredit. They're 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 clearly a hot team right now. Um, and 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 I think a key for them has been you know yeah they don't have Dozier at shortstop, but uh, the guy they plugged in at shortstop is a freshman uh, B A Volmuth. Uh, hit two home runs and drove in five in that nine run second inning yesterday. So yeah, one inning. Uh, yeah. You know, Southern Miss is a, is a good team. If you if you if you look back to the scouting report that we ran on them uh, earlier this season, right before their their Cal State Fullerton series uh, when they got swept. Um, <laughs> right before that series, the, the we ran a scouting report breaking them down, and you know it was pretty glowing, John. I mean, it talked about how how good of a college baseball team they are. They they may not be you know laden with professional prospects, but they find ways to beat you. They do everything right. They play good defense. They get timely hitting. They can they can hit and run and, you know, uh, play the small ball the way they need to. And, I mean, this weekend, I think they just had the bats going.
0: Well, here's the other thing. They, they, they almost always have good bullpens. They've had good bullpens there as long as I've been here. Chad Bradford is their biggest name, big league alumnus. Yeah, he was a reliever there. Uh, I think that guy's name was Austin Tab or Tub. It was another submarine right-hander. Tyler Kahn, the, most recently. Tyler Kahn. So, and now this year they got Cargill having a really nice year. And then I know I've talked to a couple of scouts uh, doing Mississippi draft coverage who say, you know, they're 1-2, two, are two pretty good guys. Now they're small, Todd McGinnis and J.R. Ballinger, but those guys are going to keep Southern Miss in most games for five, six, seven innings. And then Corky Palmer has done a great job, like I just said, over the last 10, 12, 15 years. Of putting together good bullpens, so they are they are a legitimate dangerous team. All that said, I'm taking Florida. I think the Gators have more talent. I think the Gators are well coached. I think the Gators are the home team. I think it, I just have to think that a little bit of this uh, Corky Palmer magic has to rub off at some time, or uh, wear off, I should say, at some time. Uh, but it wouldn't shock me if uh, if Southern Miss went down there and won a game because Florida is a really really young team. I think the Gators are going to get uh, get to Omaha a little bit ahead of schedule uh, and get back to Omaha for the first time since 2005, which will be pretty impressive in just year two of the Kevin O'Sullivan, uh, uh, you know, regime there in, in Gainesville. Uh, who, who are you picking in that one? I'm
1: going to take Florida also for the reasons you mentioned. I think these teams are actually kind of similar. I think that they're both, you know, that statistically they don't blow you away uh Florida is more talented but uh you know I, I think offensively and, and defensively they have, they have similar styles um you know but but like you said Florida's at home I do think they're more talented um I like the way the middle of their lineup has been playing Preston Tucker in particular yeah, uh, exactly. has had a sensational freshman year and just kept on bashing this weekend
0: He's got 83 um, RBIs now here that's that's uh, it's pretty crazy um, it's a
1: school it's a school a single season school record at Florida and they've had some sluggers pass through there uh so you know it's it, it's a good athletic team, Avery Barnes and Matt Dan Decker and you know, they've got some veterans in there like like Barnes and uh McArthur, MacArthur who's been around forever. Uh you know I Make I, I think nice. I think yeah I think he is your age, John. Um I I like Florida here.
0: I do too, but uh definitely want to give props belated though they may be to uh to Southern Mississippi, which is just a really I think really really impressive. Uh, for Southern Miss to go out and win a regional, uh, that's that's a big feather in their cap, and I do think it speaks well of Conference USA, which only got three teams in, but all three of them advanced to super regionals. That is a nice feather in the cap for that for that conference, which needed, I think, a boost like that for its reputation. Uh, TCU at Texas, an old Southwest Conference matchup, going on the super regional. The Horn Frogs won their first regional in 114 seasons of baseball, Aaron that is hard to believe but jim Schlossnagel wins a regional and now he takes the horned frogs down to, te- uh, to austin where texas coming off i believe uh, the only word to use for that regional is epic uh as texas goes in 25 innings to beat boston college and then seven runs in the ninth to beat army in the championship game with a walk-off grand slam by preston clark uh so uh <laughs> texas the number one national seed uh i got to tell you, Aaron, I'm not feeling too great about Texas in some ways. <laughs> they had to take 25 innings to beat BC, and they gave up 10 runs to Army. But I'm not going to pick against them at home. Uh, I'm very tempted to do it, but I, I just have to. I, I don't think that. I, I think Austin Wood is on such a mission that if he needed to go out there and pitch right handed, he'd get Texas to Omaha some way. Uh, I just don't see Texas squandering that effort uh, that they just put forth in the last regional. Oh, without getting them on.
1: I think you're probably right, John. I, you know, this is, I think this is a very interesting Super Regional, and, and like you, I went back and forth on it, I was very tempted to pick TCU because, uh, you know, TCU is has proven itself all year long against top op, top opponents, and they played a great schedule, and, uh, you know, their their pitching staff is constructed similar, similarly, John, to a team we'll talk about shortly here, the Clemson Tigers, in that they don't have... You know, a a a chance roughing at the top, or a, you right. know, a, a, an Anthony Renato or any of those kind of guys. It's just it's just 12 guys deep, and they're all about the same. They, they they're all pretty good. Um, so you know, it's just a matter of they, they they're able to ride the hot the hot hand, so to speak. And um, that's a nice that's a nice luxury. But Texas, you know, Texas has has a pretty good luxury here too on the mound, and and. and and certainly in the three-game super regional, um, I like Texas's top-tier arms more. Um, I, I think I think TCU actually I like their offense a little bit more. But uh, you know, at Dishfall runs can be hard to come by. I'll, I'll I'll throw out the Army game on Sunday as is, uh, chalk it up to fatigue a little bit. Um, I'm going to take Texas here, but I think it, it could go either way. I really do.
0: I tell you this this is the one where I was most tempted, uh, the ones we've talked about so far where I was most tempted to pick the upset. I think, like you said, if TCU, if I felt a little bit better about TCU's pitching, I think I would pick TCU. But I just can't quite get on board. They don't have a Lance Broadway. They don't have, um, oh, uh, who? Jake Arietta. Exactly. They don't have some of those guys they've had in the past. Uh, some of these bigger power arms, just some of these guys who've dominated. I mean, Broadway wasn't a power arm, but a guy really dominant at the college level. And they just don't quite have that. I don't think Kyle Winkler's there yet. Obviously, Tyler Lockwood's kind of backed up a little bit this year.
1: He was good. He was good this weekend, though. I,
0: I, I did I did notice that he that's one of his best uh, outings. And I guess that uh, the kid from New York, Greg Holly's been pretty good, but it doesn't seem like they just have that. Like you said, they're a little bit more reminiscent of Clemson. That's a good call. So um, fancy fancy that the national writer for for baseball uh, America on college baseball making a good call on on TCU's team. So um, I think this is the the one regional we're going to disagree about, Aaron. Clemson at Arizona State, Arizona State the number five national seed. Uh, the Tigers with a late, late rally to bail out Aaron Fitt and beat Oklahoma State in the regional. I know that was one that you were sweating, uh, so publicly I'll announce it on the podcast. Aaron Fitt wins the John versus Aaron, Georgia Tech versus who's better, Georgia Tech or Clemson uh, battle. One that had raged for 15 consecutive weeks, Aaron. That's right. And there was very little separation between those two teams all year, and the regionals uh, provided that separation. But uh, I'm already on record as Arizona State as my national championship pick. Uh, Aaron, explain why you think Clemson is going to beat Arizona State in the Super Regional. Well, or Arizona you- State's
1: going to win the first game, John, because they've got Mike Leak. We know that. Nobody's going to beat Mike Leak. <laughs> you see, that guy is other otherworldly. Uh, but Josh Spence, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not himself. He's not, he's not a hundred percent. He threw three innings this weekend and granted, you know, they took him out with a, let's see, a nine to three lead, I think. Um, so maybe that was part of it, but, um, you know, Arizona, I like Arizona States arms after him. I mean, certainly Seth Blair was, was, was strong again. He's been very good down the stretch and
0: he's been outstanding uh,
1: Mitchell Lampson and Jordan Swaggerty is a great duo back there in the bullpen. They've got Jason Franzblau pitching well. I mean, they've got their guys that they need on the mound. I'm very mound. frustrated
0: that you beat me to the punch and saying Franzblau. Franzblau. Uh,
1: you know, but I, I honestly – I think offensively these two teams are pretty close. Um, and, and is it crazy to say it, John, that Clemson might have an even better offense? I mean, you know, Arizona State – is, is they've got a lot of depth. I mean, in some ways, they're like Arkansas. They've got a lot of young players factoring into this lineup right now. Um, you know, the 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 Drew Maggies and the Risho Torreses and the uh, you know the Johnny Rudigers and the Zach McFees. Um, those guys though don't scare me. I mean, as much as as, as much as a, a a Ben Paulson or a a hot Kyle Parker, which he delivered a big hit yesterday, the game winning hit. Wilson Boyd has been on fire for about six straight weeks now. I mean. Uh you know You're not I not like
0: You're not convincing me on those guys. I'm and sorry. There's well, no one cool. There's no one in in Clemson's lineup who is as productive or as good of a college player as Jason Kipnis. That is uh, true. And then Carlos Ramirez has more power than anybody on either of these two teams. Uh, I like Cole Calhoun. I like how diverse Arizona State's lineup is as far as they can they can steal some bases, they can go with you on power. Uh they're very patient. I think they are clearly a better offensive team than Clemson. I really do. Uh, I think Clemson's lineup is pretty short. Kyle Parker might have had a big hit last night, but that guy is kind of captain of the swing-and-miss team right now. I mean, he's he, he would fit nicely in Cal's lineup. So uh, I'm not with you on that one. The, the difference maker for Clemson, if you had said Chris Epps. I was, I was getting there. Might have been there with you, but he's the difference maker. Chris Epps at the top of the lineup being an igniter, that starts to make me think that Clemson, that, that changes the dynamic of Clemson's lineup a little bit, but... Uh, I think Arizona State, number one in their ballpark, number two with their coach. Pat Murphy's the offensive coach. Uh, this team, after all the talent they lost, is still crushing the ball. And uh, I, I I like their pitching. I do like the fact that Franz Bauer pitched well. I really like the fact that Seth Blair pitched well. Uh, I'm encouraged that Josh Spence gave him three innings against, uh, you know against a, as we've talked about all year, a very, very powerful Kent State lineup. And uh, I think that was a good test for him. He's got a little more time off. Uh, I won't say that no one can beat Mike Leak because somebody beat Steven Strasburg. And Steven Strasburg's better than Mike Leak. But if I had one game to win in college baseball this year, it would probably be Mike Leak. That's probably the guy I would take. Uh, I've never heard anybody say a bad thing about the guy. Uh, I just don't think uh, that he's not going to get to Omaha this year. So I'm, I, I understand your arguments about Clemson, though. I do think one thing that's a little underrated about Clemson is they they can grind out at bat, at bats. I'm just not sold on the power, and I think you got to play a little bit of a power game in the desert at Arizona State. I, I
1: I think I think certainly Arizona State is the safe pick, but I mean I, I I like I just like the way Jeff Shouse and Ben Paulson and Wilson Boyd in particular, and also Kyle Parker a little bit, and Chris Epps. I mean I I like the way those guys have been swinging it. Um, I think that they're going to hit some home runs out there. I, I'm going out on a limb. I will acknowledge that. Arizona State is the much safer pick, maybe the smarter pick, uh, but I'm going to take Clemson.
0: Clemson is what's known as the stubborn pick. So. The stubborn pick is right. <laughs> but uh, I will also give this to Clemson. Here's the matchup to watch, I think, Aaron. Clemson's pitchers, they have a great strikeout-to-walk ratio. They've only walked 195 guys in 577 innings. Arizona State's drawn 350 walks. They have almost a one-to-one walk-to-strikeout ratio as a team offensively, and that's a Pat Murphy trademark for sure. So that's really the thing to watch. Uh, honestly, the umpires are going to have a lot to do with how that series is determined, and the strike zone is going to have a lot to do with it. And if, it's a tight, if it's a tight strike zone, uh, there's no way I don't think Clemson can go out there and win. But if, it, if the umpires are calling strikes is going to fill up the strike zone, and they have lots of pitchers who can fill up the strike zone with quality stuff. I just think that their their biggest advantage, which is pitching depth, does not matter as much in a super regional as it matters in Omaha or as it matters in a regional. If it were a regional field, I could pick Clemson in a super. I'm taking the, the Sun Devils.
1: You just made about four outstanding points in a row there, John. Great insights.
0: Uh, it's, uh, every once in a while, uh, you know, uh, that happens. Not usually uh east carolina at north carolina the final super regional i think it's the one that both of us are going to be at are we going to both be at that aaron Uh, i believe so it's my wife's birthday this weekend so i gotta take at least one day and not watch baseball but uh those are the two regionals i was at i did not see north carolina play this weekend i saw coastal in kansas and then i was able to go see east carolina in a thrilling regional final last night against south carolina that was a tremendous baseball game and i gotta tell you what i did a little research on this today aaron East Carolina and North Carolina played twice during the regular season, both times. You know, basically East Carolina basically has two left-handed pitchers, Summers and Brant. And uh, Summers, the freshman who threw last night, Patrick Summers, uh, he started the first game, and Brant started the second game. And Brant relieved in the first game as well. So Kevin Brant, against North Carolina this year, pitched, uh, I think it's uh, 10 innings. He struck out 13. He only gave up seven hits. He did not give up a, uh, a run. Uh, but East Carolina has only faced Patrick Johnson. They have not faced Adam Warren, they have not faced uh, Alex White. Uh, you know who obviously is not at his best right now—hamstring, blister, draftitis, whatever it is. That guy's not pitching well. His last two starts have been two of the worst of his college career. Uh, what do you think? Who, who has the advantage in this one? South East Carolina can't pitch Kevin Brandt every game. Do you see East Carolina coming to Chapel Hill and winning that super regional?
1: No. Uh, I i'm I'm curious to see how much they will use Kevin Brandt because I mean Seth Manis and, and Chris Huston have been there one two all year long uh and then you know really Brad Mincy has been their number three I mean are, are they going to now you know completely throw away their rotation in order to start the lefty maybe they will
0: absolutely uh, I, they have I suspect to. They
1: have I suspect to. they use Brandt as their their super bullpen guy and you know the first sign of trouble you bring him in um but I don't know I mean I think it's an interesting question um. I just you know, and East Carolina, is a, as we've been saying all year long, I think is a, is a really good college team with a really good college offense, and um, and they've got a few arms out there. They're they're not overpowering arms, but I you know I pick North Carolina to win the national championship coming into this this thing, and and uh, that's because I, I really like their their experience. I like their stars. I think Dustin Ackley and and Kyle Seeger and Mark Flurry, cetera. Um, you know, Seeger and, uh, and Ackley in particular, they can hit lefties even if you throw Kevin Brandt out. And maybe maybe they didn't do great against those guys this year, but um, North Carolina on the mound to me is far superior. Uh, this park is not as offensive as uh, Clark LeClaire Stadium. I don't think East Carolina is going to score the way it did this past weekend against North Carolina's pitching staff in that ballpark. Uh, so I'm going to take the home team here.
0: Yeah, I think I'm going to do that, too. I will say that uh, Brant pitched very well in the regional uh, against South Carolina. He pitched into the ninth inning. Um, uh, Heston pitched poorly in both outings. He pitched poorly against Binghamton. He pitched poorly last night in relief against South CAC. So uh, I think you are going to see Kevin Brant as a starter, and uh, I'll be stunned if, if, if you don't. And I I don't think Heston's in the weekend rotation for that team anymore, uh, uh, they pitched him in the first game against Binghamton. That's kind of a, He's a, like a number three or number four starter role, really. And uh, I, I think you have to go match up. I think everybody on the planet knows the way to beat North Carolina is to throw a left-hander with breaking and stuff. And That's have, what I would do. And when you have somebody who has had success against them already, I think you have to do that. So to me, the difference maker for this for North Carolina is Adam Warren. I think there are very few teams in the country that can have their number one guy and have him stumbling down the stretch like North Carolina has in Alex White. And it's almost incidental. It almost doesn't matter for North Carolina. They have such great pitching depth, A. But, B, they have a guy in Adam Warren who will be a number one on 95% of the rest of the teams. Adam Warren will be a number one at TCU. He'd be the number one at Southern Miss. He'd be the number one at Florida. He'd be the number one at Clemson. Uh, he'd be the number one at East Carolina. He might be the number one at Virginia right now.
1: Florida State, too. I mean, you're right. He'd be the number one
0: at Florida State. He'd be the number one at Arkansas. Uh, He'd be the number one, maybe pushing it to be the number one at Rice right now. But with their injuries, he'd be the number one guy. Fullerton, Uh, maybe? uh, It's touch and go. But that guy, with his experience and the fact that he's up to 94 these days, he's sitting with an average to plus fastball, average slider, tremendous college command. That guy's a true college number one starter. And uh, that gives you the luxury. If North Carolina wants to, they can go Adam Warren in the first game and hold Alex White. And boy, if they need Alex White of the bullpen, then go to Alex White of the bullpen, where we saw him really excel last year in Omaha, and even in the game where Virginia beat him, he saw Alex White 94 to 97 and dominant for two innings, and then they got to him. So Adam Warren is a difference maker as far as I'm concerned for North Carolina. That's what uh, he 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 makes that go. So I'm very excited, Aaron, that neither one of us lost our Omaha pick. Uh, in the regional round, that's a good thing. So before we wrap up the podcast, let's go ahead and take uh, two more podcast questions at podcast.baseballamerica.com. At Aaron uh, wanted to th- – this is a good question from Andrew Thurmond. Uh, so he read a story on ESPN.com that destroyed Texas and Boston College for allowing their closer to go so deep in that 25 inning game. Isn't using Drew Pomeranz and Deck McGuire, among others, on two days rest much more dangerous? Also, he saw that there were a lot of pitchers. More pitchers were in the 120-pitch club this weekend. In Austin Wood's case, particularly, I think the rants are a bit ridiculous. He's a senior playing for a national championship. Who knows if he'll get to the big leagues. I understand getting upset about abusing a pitcher every weekend. I think the postseason is different. Um, And that's uh, Andrew Thurman, Duke Law School student, um, asking that question. So, Aaron, I put it to you. Uh, I talked to Mike Belfiore today. and getting ready to write a story about it. Um, what did you think? Uh, what's your reaction to the deep pitch counts of uh, in the Texas-B.C. game for Austin Wood and Mike Delfiore? I,
1: I think Andrew, uh, the emailer, is 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 right on. I I think it's you know I think it's much more dangerous to to bring back your ace on two days rest after especially you know <laughs> Drew Pomerantz pitched eight innings, Mike minor th- threw nine innings. I mean, Deck McGuire had a, had a long outing. I mean, those guys all threw well, over 100 pitches. Um, you're gonna bring those guys back on two days rest. Uh, to me, that's much worse. I, I, I agree with. I agree with the the, the emailer. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, uh, Belfiore in particular. I, I don't think that was at all egregious. That guy, um, he went nine innings, and, and Mick Aoki took him out after nine innings, even though he was dominating. Um, and and he's listen, he's not a typical one-inning college closer one-inning closer. He's people on the national level who don't understand college baseball need to need to understand that it's not the same as in Major League Baseball, where you've got a closer who throws three outs. It's not how it works. I mean, Belfiore has been extended this year. He threw five or six innings at Duke. Um, he was fresh. And he's, you know, there's nothing wrong with that to me. And in Austin Wood, you know, maybe you're getting a little bit closer to the line. You're going to throw 169 pitches over 13 innings. But again, I mean, you know, Texas is 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 I think John a point that you made yesterday uh, one of the more one of the most powerful brand names in sports. And and I think it means a lot for Austin Wood to get Texas to Omaha. Uh, I think I think it's. You know, probably you can make. I think you can make a case that it means more to him to get Texas to Omaha than it does uh, for his, his professional career, and that's his choice. And uh, you know, I understand that the, the coaching staff does have a responsibility to protect its arms, but um, you know, I, I think that one's a little bit hazy for me.
0: Yeah, I don't think. I don't know why I'm doing that, but I don't think there's any way uh, that you can defend 169 pitches. I do think you can try to understand it and not condemn it offhand as wrong. And you know, uh, I was watching Bill Maher the other day, and he was talking about food, and he was talking about, uh, you know, he was classifying food as good or evil, you know. And that's the thing—that's the mentality that people have these days. Food isn't good or evil. I don't even care how processed it is or how what the motives of a country, of a company making that are. I don't even care what the motives are. There's nothing evil or inherently uh, wrong, I guess, about pitching Austin Wood 169 pitches. Is it optimal? No, it's not. It's certainly not optimal for his pro career. And this is a guy who at times has been 90-93 in short bursts with a pretty nice slider. He is a prospect. But to not even understand the situation, to not understand the fact that clearly this guy's stuff was still pretty gosh darn good, that after 12 innings or 11.2 or whatever it was that he had a no-hitter, um... That tells you more than the pitch count. All that said, Aaron, I think all these accounts I've read where he was throwing up in the 17th inning, (laughs) I might have taken the guy out after he was tossing his cookies, you know? I I think that might have been a telltale sign that he had been extended a little bit too far. That's more telling than a pitch count. But to try to tell somebody that's wrong, if that's what they wanted to do, I just think it's kind of ridiculous to be judgmental when uh, you don't know Austin Wood and you don't know Augie Garrido. Now, I'm going to trust Augie Greedo's 41 years in college baseball more, than, and the fact that he's there and that he's in the dugout and that he recruited Austin Wood and that he's been at practice with Austin Wood, at least occasionally for, in Augie's case. He's been at <laughs> practice with, with Austin Wood for four years. He's been in the dugout with him for 200-plus games. He knows what it means for Austin Wood as a college senior at the University of Texas to go to Omaha as a Texas Longhorn. That means more than getting drafted by the Pittsburgh Pirates or the Kansas City Royals, or the New York Yankees for that matter. Uh, So I think to not acknowledge that and to not recognize that's a possibility is pretty ignorant of people, and it's especially ignorant uh, when it's a Texas Longhorn involved. And even Mike Delfiore today talking about that, he didn't even know what Boston College was in high school. So he acknowledged it was different, and he is a bigger prospect. And guess what? He was taken out. But he also went into that weekend anticipating that he would start He went into the weekend anticipating he would throw 100 pitches in a game. Uh, Mick Aoki anticipated it, and that was their plan, according to Mick Aoki and Mike Belfiore, from the day they were in the bubble when practice started for Boston College. They're indoors, and their plan was, you're going to close for us, but the longer the season goes on, the more extended you will be, and by the postseason, you'll be ready to start a game if we need you. That was their plan from day one. They executed that plan to perfection, and that's a reason, one of the big reasons, I think, that Mike Belfiore was so good in that game, 92-93 to 93 into his sixth inning of work uh, with a, a dirty slider at 79-82. And uh, that's why he was able to shut down Texas on three hits in nine-plus innings and strike out, what was it, 13? And you can't do that unless you're prepared to do it. So I think the criticism of it is pretty knee-jerk, pretty stupid, pretty ignorant of college baseball, and, and frankly, disrespectful of those players and and just and what that and what college baseball means and what the regional means. So uh, I'm pretty tired of it. Glad to glad to have that. Hopefully in the past. Looking forward to addressing that on BaseballAmerica.com in an article. Aaron, you want to take one more podcast question, or should we wrap it up?
1: Uh, it's your call, John. You're in charge.
0: Oh, we got plenty of these, so uh, I'll, I'll get one more. Uh, Vermont Cavalier D. Dickey wants to ask. Uh, Uh, with only a handful of hosts failed to advance, uh, great uh, analysis, great stuff. Your analysis turned out to be very accurate, but surely you could name five surprises from regionals. Uh, What was the biggest surprise, I guess, out of regionals for you, Aaron?
1: Well, obviously, I think it's Southern Miss. I mean, there's no question I didn't give them – Well, I gave them very, very, very little chance to win that regional. In a regional with three teams that were all considerably more offensive, um, for Southern Miss to slug the way it did – uh, and win that thing it was shocking to me,
0: I think that's one that, one of the other shocks was Georgia going out like suckers, losing to Ohio State. was really surprised by that. Very surprised by the post game comments, Dave Perno calling out his team, uh, calling out a couple individual players on this team specifically. Uh, I was quite surprised by that. That Tallahassee regional had a lot going on. Very surprised and embarrassed for Ohio State to get beat thirty seven to six. That was a that was a pretty big shock to me. I, I really did not see that happening. Uh,
1: certainly, you never expect that. Uh, other su- other surprises for me. Very disappointed by Texas A&M preseason number one. I mean, you know, hey, we we gotta we gotta wear it on that one. It, uh, that yeah. pick didn't work out well for us. But uh, you know, that team was too talented uh, to to perform the way it did down the stretch and in regionals. Uh, very disappointing.
0: Hey, I think that's a fair way to put it. It was a very disappointing season for Texas A&M. So hopefully, it was not a very disappointing podcast for those of you who listened. Uh, Aaron, great stuff. Uh, if I don't record it right, we won't do it again. So, <laughs> thanks for uh, thanks for taking so much time and uh, being on the podcast. Look forward to having you back in the office. Uh, get back safe from California. Thanks, John. Okay. okay, for Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next week on the Baseball America College Podcast. Until then, so long, everybody.